This is Fuse FM, Manchester's student radio. Hello, Manchester student body. We are Fuse in Focus, and this is our first inaugural episode of the show. Um, this show is just gathering a few of us together, a few topical well-in-the-know people from the uni who are going to have a good, exciting, riveting, hopefully tantalising conversation about a few stories that have been happening this week, discussing them in slightly more detail than you might otherwise hear. I am joined today by the magnificent Megan. Hello. The jubilant Josh. Hello. And the cantankerous (laughs) (laughs) Cosmo. Yeah. Hi, I guess. Yeah. Wait, what does cantankerous mean? It's angry, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, does it? Oh no, yes. just not cantankerous. <laughs> Sorry, spectacular Conrad. Candid. I've not kept in the ki- candid Conrad. Yeah. There we go. I like that candid Hello. Conrad. I like that candid. Con- like, I feel like if we're calling you candid Conrad, we just have you on a scene somewhere, like with a camera crew and like a full mic set up and everything. But mm-hmm. maybe next week. Maybe or like a week. US talk show host <laughs> interviewing yeah. Beyonce. Hey guys, let's talk to Beyonce. Yeah. So, today we have three quite interesting stories. We're going to be talking about each of them for about 10 minutes apiece. We have a theme, don't we? We have a little bit of a theme. Today's theme is protest, I suppose. Well, protest and warehouse project. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We, we sort of try to have a bit of a funny story at the end of our shows. That's how the format will go. And we'll see if people also find it funny. Yeah. They may not. <laughs> Fingers crossed, eh? A light-hearted news story to take you on your week, basically. Exactly, exactly. If we can find one. <laughs> so, um, let's launch right into the first one. Um, Josh, would you care to explain what has happened in the city recently? What hasn't happened in the city recently? It's been a, it's been a city of protest, according to the front page of the Mancunian. And this is from Nicole and Kane and Megan, who's with us now. Hello. Hey. <laughs> the, eyes, the country's eyes have been on the city as Conservative Party Conference has come and graced us with its presence. We've had the Tory party in, we've had the current government, we've had the PM, we've had Mm. all the activists, and with them comes highly charged debate, to put it in the most diplomatic way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's been lots of protests, lots of people gathering, lots of people with something to say. James, you was at one of the protests, you want to tell us a little bit about that? I was at multiple of the protests. Multiple (laughs) of the protests. Um, So I went to a few of them. On Sunday I took part in the um, Manchester for Europe march, a big pro-EU march, uh, which was brilliant, a lot of fun. Saw a lot of interesting people. I saw David Dickinson. You know, the sorry. Wait, not David. Sorry, David Dimbleby. David, David Dickinson. <laughs> That's a very different person. Sorry, David Dimbleby, who I did see, was the former host of Question Time. David Dickinson was from Dickinson's Real Deal. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, yeah. I don't know what David Dickinson. Easy mistake to make. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it was a lot of fun. And then um, on the Tuesday, which was my birthday. Um, I took time out of work and I um, went along and protested in front of the Tory fortress that they'd set up. Where uh, from the other the side, Tory fortress, always known as the Midland Hotel. But it was the Tory fortress, though. Like I don't know if yeah, anyone listening had... had a chance to see it, but there was this huge. Yeah, like... I saw it. It was like everywhere was completely blocked off, mm-hmm. and like you had to go through these weird, like um, you know, those uh, barriers that you get when you're like. Oh, I can't even remember, but they're like, like head security. to toe, yeah, yeah, head to toe security, and there were guards everywhere, and it was like, from what, from an outsider perspective, it looked like it was taking place in the Midland Hotel. It was sort of the Midland Hotel and the Conference Centre, yeah, and then there's just 
all around the area, so all in St. Peter's Square. There's just police swarming everywhere. There's dogs. I mentioned to uh, Josh and Conrad when we were discussing this yesterday. Yeah. Me and uh, my flatmate were looking around. There were snipers on the roofs. <laughs> yeah. We were looking on the... Like, you could see snipers just in Manchester. It was absolutely mind-blowing. They, they were ready to tackle your protesting. I think it's protesting. interesting that Manchester has become this sort of city of protest because it has its history. It's rooted in protest. We have... It's been, oh, yeah. what's the 200th anniversary of Peterloo recently? Yeah. So it's almost sort of come a little bit full circle we've, we've heard from James in his sort of protest perspective Megan you went down there as a reporter what was it like for you honestly it was very strange um, mm. I interviewed someone who was uh, passing the protest I can't remember if they'd been to the conference or whether they had just kind of passed through but they were like for Manchester this protest is a little bit pathetic because you had like a pen of like the left wing and then a pen for like the right wing or like mm. whatever protests were going on and it was like there you've got your designated protest area you protest against each other and shout over each other yeah. and it was actually just so weird because for Manchester you know we've had the Extinction Rebellion protest take up like over the city for them to say this is your designated area was a bit like what that just doesn't make sense i thought it was a bit unfair to you guys but then i understand in the needs of security you it makes sense as to why it's tory pie conference they need to go here's where you can protest is your designated protest area there there was a march through the city though wasn't there there were three marches through the city on the sunday so there was um the one that i took part in there was about two thousand people present um, Not bad, is it? I don't just for that was just one of the three marches, and then there were loads of smaller protests. But the one um, that I was in on Tuesday that you saw me in Megan with yeah. the barricade separating the sort of yeah. two sides of the debate that one was quite a bit smaller. Yeah. So because I was with the Stand Up to Racism Manchester group. Yeah. And then we had another group. See, on the other see, side. your side looked organised. It looked like you'd come for a protest. We understood your message. We understood why you were there. The other side, I absolutely just didn't get what, what I, was the difference in demography between the two <laughs> sides i think that's that can provide us with some answers well i just the it was unorganized and the, what threw me was the fact that like they were unorganized and they were using it as a like a kind of an argument like oh see that side they've got more funding and they're so much more organized we're out here like like tr- trying to be like this grassroots protest and it was like but none of you make sense there was this guy in a wheelchair who kept coming up to the barrier being like come talk to us come talk to us and it was like that guy that guy had kept, cr- crazy eyes he kept crazy. telling me that i was a traitor like he kept using those words what? he just he just kept like rolling up to like the barrier <laughs> and he pointing at me specifically I, and he was like you're a traitor had you crossed him previously in the past no <laughs> i've never seen him before. but i just i it really it, their side just baffled me and it was like there was quite a few people documenting what was going on um, this guy that you you said that you researched into James not James James Goddard yeah yeah he he kept recording things and going up to people asking for interviews but it was this very sporadic I'm going to interview and talk to anyone yeah and it, it just didn't make sense what in my opinion what do you think of the sort of this you know, protest and counter-protest and this almost narrative of us versus them and we hear words like traitor and surrender being flung around. Does it sort of mark a new low in our public discourse? (laughs) I I think it's sort of intentionally divisive 
And I, I think the weirdest part was after the protest was over and after, like, everyone on quote-unquote my side left, I hung around and just spoke quite casually and candidly. And I bet they didn't call you a traitor when everyone were gone, did no, they? No, no, no. We had a conversation about Doc Martens and uh, <laughs> the Fast and Furious movies. See and what I mean about the demography? And it's just really weird that, like, you know, like when people are in a situation where there's a barricade separating them and they're pitted against each other, everyone's got all of these vicious slurs they'll throw around and use at each other. Like, I got told I'm a communist, a far-left extremist. Someone told me I'm an anti-Semite and I hate women. And they'll use that kind of language. But then as soon as the, the protest isn't there and everyone just talks with everyone on a human level, you know, that, that same antagonism doesn't exist. And I think it's really weird that that space was set up intentionally with the barricade through the middle to pit, okay, it's you yeah. guys versus you guys instead of it should be all of you versus the Tory party conference. Yeah. Which I thought was very odd. And I, I, I can't help but feel like there was maybe a bit of an intentional design in separating the two sides of the, of yeah. the debate. Yeah. Conrad, what are your thoughts? Uh, um, I think, well, it's probably uh, an atmosphere, yeah, when there's like two big sides with uh, supposedly binary views, yeah. then they will... And then also in such a massive crowd, it kind of changes the mentality of things, I think. You, yeah. kind, of, you kind of... There's no space for thought or like, mm. reasoning. You can just have to go in with like your best... Like your strongest or like most... Uh, you know, your strongest arguments. Do we think... Said as loud as possible. Mm -hmm. And then there's no time for really considering that you might have the other side might have something to say. There, there did seem to be a good amount of people kind of talking to each other. I did see a woman who seemed like she was kind of on the on your more side of the protest talking to a woman with a Trump hat on. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, their conversation didn't seem very, like, not passionate, passionate's the wrong word. It didn't seem aggressive. It didn't seem like, I'm going to shut you down. It just seemed like we're having a conversation, we're disagreeing, but obviously that's why we're on two different sides. Yeah. So I, I did think it was, I think there were a few characters, that's what I'll say, that kind of just took things a bit too far. I know, and I, I think like, I, <laughs> to sort of hold my hands up here, I was probably one of those characters. <laughs> I was I was holding a sign that was very James like... James had a flare out and all sorts. It was, no, no flare, but I had like a sort of knowingly inflammatory sign, not directed at the but, other but side. That's what, but, but that's what protests are about. You're not yeah. going to go there and say, you don't say, oh, I'm, I'm protesting because I don't really like Boris. You, you go there and say the absolute, like, worst thing you can say yeah. because you feel very passionate about your side mm -hmm. it's not about like protests aren't really about mediocrity otherwise you wouldn't be protesting yeah james yeah. can you tell us about your oil painting the oil painting didn't actually materialize what? so uh, i i had planned to do a foy a full oil painting with the words lying tory people <laughs> yeah, people, people. Thank you very much, people. With, with a picture of Jacob Rees, and I wanted to do a really intricate oil painting yes. of um, Jacob Rees Mogg lying over the word lying. I thought that was really good, that was really witty. Night before the protest, I thought, oh no, I've not got enough time to do <laughs> a full oil painting for it to dry. I don't think it would have been fully appreciated no, anyway, no, to no. be honest I, with I, you. I, don't, I think the nuance might have been lost in the heat yeah, of the debate. So I, I just, in, in place of Jacob Rees-Mogg, I just added an extra word 
And what uh, was the extra word, James? Is it PC <laughs> enough to say at this time not, of the morning? The, the the general message of my sign was, I do not approve of the Tories. What did it, the word begin with? Uh, it started with F, F lying Tory <laughs> beggars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> so, Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move on to our next story. So there's been a lot of protests going on this week and will continue well into next week mm-hmm. in the nation's capital. Megan, would you care to explain what's been going on? Uh, only a little bit. I haven't heard too much about the London uh, protest, but the Extinction Rebellion protest is very rife in London at the moment. I've seen some videos on social media of, mm-hmm. of people. So, I mean, I think what they're doing is a good cause. Um and I think that people need to be disrupted. I just don't know if I could ever take part. Something yeah. like a over a thousand people have now been arrested. Yeah. Which, when you compare that to the London riots, was something somewhere between 200 and 300 people. Yeah. And the thing is, if that's a thousand people that have been arrested already, this is Friday. They yeah. started action on Monday. That is 200 people arrested per day. And this is, a, yeah. I believe, a two-week course of action. Yeah. So we're, we're not even halfway, and more than a thousand people have been arrested. Yeah. We had this sort of conversation yesterday, didn't we, James, about the sort of people who take part in this sort of extinction rebellion action. Yeah. Um, and the the kind of people that can almost afford to take time off yeah and the kinds of people that can then go on to be arrested yeah and i I think that you're a person's ability for a cause to say you know what i'm going to be arrested for this definitely comes from a certain place of privilege because 100 percent. not everyone is going to be able to say first of all i can just casually take two weeks off work to take part in this protest but moreover i'm going to be arrested for this cause and that's just fine. That won't affect or impact me in any significant way whatsoever. I don't know if anyone else has any no, thoughts I, on that. I do. Conrad, I don't know if you have any um, views. You look like you want to talk. Yeah, um, I, well, I think if people have the ability to, um, you know, if they have that position of privilege, then they should... They should use they it. They should use it, right. It's true. It's mm. true. That's interesting because no one else can, can they? So it's it's more of a... It's, it shouldn't be a case of they're doing that so no one else can it should be a case of no one else can so they should do it almost does that make sense yeah Yeah. but i i I do feel that because when i was covering the extinction rebellion protests in manchester they were doing like a route of manchester and going to different places and staging dying or talking about a specific uh issue to do with that place like they stood outside hsbc and did a die-in because they're investing in like fossil fuels and i think potentially fracking i'm not sure but they then were like, yeah, and now we're going to go to the uh, courts in Manchester. And I had to be like, I'm going to have to leave now. As a law student that could potentially be aspiring to a law career, I I cannot be caught outside a court of law protesting and causing a disturbance. It just, it was not going to work for me. Yeah. And that's just me as a student, as someone that's considering a career path. We're not even considering people that have careers or uh, uh, just maybe even have a family that just can't, I, I, I can't be in that position of, you know, vulnerability, basically. That makes a lot of sense. And Manchester has a sort of thriving Extinction Rebellion scene. Um, and our, two of our exec officers in the SU are very active within yeah. that sort of XR Manchester yeah. scene. Yeah, if anyone um, listening is interested in getting involved with Extinction, not to plug them, but they meet every week at Breadshed, find XR Manchester on Facebook, <laughs> all the details there. Well, this is what I was going to say. I'd be intrigued <laughs> to see the sort of, you know, crowd that gathers at that meeting because... I've, I've been. I've been to you, two. You have. I, well, have. I have shown up to their meetings. They're, yeah. they're really nice people. They give out fruit interesting <laughs> there was a there was a sort of a bit of a controversy controversy last year over 
the sort of inclusiveness of Extinction Rebellion and of the sort of people who are able to, to campaign. And I think it was Sarah Khan who sort of brought forward this point that, you know, it, maybe it could be a bit more inclusive. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting to see, like, um, I don't know if anyone saw, there was a 91-year-old man, or was it an 81-year-old man? Yes. A very elderly gentleman. And the optics, <laughs> just it just looks awful, doesn't it? When you see an 80-year-old or a 90-year-old being dragged away into a cop car, it doesn't look great for, for the Met, you know. It's... I know, and all he'd done was, I think he'd, like, done a stencil and he'd, like, spray-painted on a bit of concrete, saying something like, like, we're doing this for your children. Yeah. And, and he was, like, carted away. And, like, it, it's very odd that, like, he needs to be kind of forcefully arrested and dragged away as an old man when it is going to cost pennies for someone to come along with just a pressure washer and just go and just get rid of that can we have a bit of a chat about methods and how you know people are responding to their methods and when does it get to that point where people are no longer willing to cooperate and no willing no longer willing to go okay you've got a good point i'll stop eating steak to go in okay you do my head in now like stop blocking my bridge like let me get to work when does it sort of how do they strike that balance of getting people to listen to them but also not piss annoying them too much yeah <laughs> conrad um yeah well uh i think people they will definitely notice i think the main idea is to make people notice and draw attention to the fact that something needs to be done about climate change uh, climate change very quickly right now really um but again it does it do, it is disruptive to people but i i guess mostly in the center of london yeah uh, i mean there are lots of people still outside that area um I'm not entirely sure how disruptive it is to people on public transport, like underground and tubes and trains. Um, it's mostly like a road-based issue. Yeah. But um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I think people probably support it anyway. Mostly, they just people would uh, people would support the protests, even if it is disruptive to them. And there's always some people who are. Yeah, kind of, uh, Megan, have we have we reached peak XR? Is is this it now? Can they go any further? What 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 can they do next? They've sort of pushed the boundary of non-violent you know civil I, disobedience. I, haven't I they? do kind of think they've got to that point where they need to make not they need to make, but the government need to kind of uh, recognise them or tell us what they are doing for climate change, even mm. if it's just oh, I don't know, we've signed this new deal and we're going to reduce it by 1%. Even if it's something as small as that to show that their protests are actually, not actually having an effect because they are having an effect. They're having an effect on the general public. But when it comes to policy, because that's really what they're protesting for, when it comes to policy, how how have we moved forward? Because if we if we don't, and I'm sure there are st- there's things going on in Parliament to tackle climate change. I don't believe that there's absolutely nothing that government are doing. I believe there's something. They, they um I know uh like local branches of Extinction Rebellion they do like petition and they work with the local councils. See, I uh, think more publicity of that would be great because well, I, I, I understand these extreme measures and we I'm not saying we don't need them we do need these extreme measures but I think the extreme measures are great when they come with we're doing this because we got a little we got a little bit of, of leeway and now we want to we want more leeway do, do you know what I mean I, so I, it doesn't I, feel pointless I totally see where you're coming from but I think it kind of for me at least comes down to a certain sense of like actual pragmatism and as uh, you know helpful as it may be that Extinction Rebellion say are having really constructive meetings with local councils and local government 
it doesn't generate the same level of public interest and sort of alertness that shutting down a major city or a few major roads does. Yeah. Like, like, like they can have as many productive meetings and have as many spreadsheets as they possibly like, but it will not raise the same public profile and political response as when they cause a huge administrative headache. But, so, but, so well, I mean, they have it, to do both, right? Well, I suppose they have to do both, but it's like, I, I do think there's a definite part for shutting down major cities. Like in March, when Extinction Rebellion shut down London, after what was it, a week and a half, the government in response declared a state of climate emergency and then announced loads of new policies and initiatives to plant loads of trees. So I think it's important that both sides play a role and I do think there is a definite space for both of them. But the thing is though, I think big actions, shutting down roads, shutting down cities, that gathers publicity, that yeah. gets people engaged. And for me, I think that's pretty cool. And, and then they have to act on it and keep up the pressure on yeah. governments. And yeah, governments. exactly, exactly. And I, I've got a lot of time for it. I love Extinction Rebellion. An interesting one, because you see the, the young, conservative, young, young conservatives often argue that the UK is doing more than any other sort of OECD country to tackle the issue. But that looks a bit thin when you have the Labour Party promising sort of, you know, <laughs> net zero carbon by in the 2030s. Do you know what I mean? It seems like there's much more radical policies coming from the yeah. left and, yeah. and parties of opposition. I do actually have a, a conservative friend who's joined Extinction Rebellion in Kensington. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, and um, I, th- I think the way he approaches it is like, it's still kind of a little bit pessimistic pragmatism but I mean he, he's like an engineer student oh, and he's and he's like he's meeting with the council and yeah. talking about like installing thing uh, when they're building a new house a new building project with a private company or something mm. they're petitioning to have that being self uh, completely self-sustainable so I mean there it's not like I think there's definitely the left is producing like a really radical um really radical new ideas for it that wouldn't really fit in with the kind of free market ideas that are more at home on the right but it doesn't mean that the right lacks the concern uh, there's still things to think about but there is that kind of chapter mm. mindset in a way on the right but they're still concerned about it there's a clear divide in terms of age as well i think that's the big one isn't it it seems mm. that younger people are much more open to the ideas and the methods of xr whereas the older yeah, portion Actually, of the community. I would, I would slightly disagree with to... that. I would say there's not a, a gap, where, like there's a divide in age. I'd say there's a gap because yes. I tend to see at these protests, you see quite young people, uh, like as in like really young, like five, six, not five, six, like maybe 10, 11 year olds. And then like you've got your, your teenagers and then your young people, like your students. And then you've got like a gap and you've got the like quite elderly who were but is that because really is the up? reason you see the elderly people is because it looks it's good optics to have an old like an elderly no, man no i think it's, it goes woman. back to what we said about privilege and protesting I, I i just think they probably have a little bit more time i mean i i have no doubt that they're the the age group in the middle are concerned but you need to remember the age group in the middle are the age Working of for workers the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they probably can't take two weeks out to protest even though they're probably still I think another good thing is this, like, thinking and concern about uh, climate change yeah. is actually something that really unifies people. And mm. I'm, I'm not sure about in the UK, but I know in Austria that, like, the number one, they recently had elections, and the number one topic that was discussed was climate change. And this is a country that's been talking about migration for years. Yeah. Mm. And suddenly, climate change is becoming such a massive, massive issue. Mm. And it 
it does have the power to unify people. Yeah. And things like protests are kind of forgiven by a lot of people, I think, because they know it's such an important issue. I think we could sit and talk about Extinction Rebellion we all day. Could. We could definitely get more out of this, but I think it's high time we move on to our uh, third and final story. A bit of a funny one. Josh, would you care to explain it's what, an interesting what's, what's, what's been found? What's going on? So this is our sort of more lighthearted story for the week, and it's about the warehouse project, which, James, I'll let you you know, tell the listeners if they need to know what the warehouse project is. So warehouse project, which I'm going to tonight, actually. He's a, a protester, hey. he's a raver, he's a man. And I love avocado. T- typical millennial, <laughs> typical student. Um... So, yeah, so I, um, Warehouse Project, if people don't know, if you're in Manchester, you should definitely go along. It's sort of a big, like, um, kind of, I, I don't know, the, the genres vary, but it's basically just a big warehouse rave. They put a select few on a year. They're always really good. They attract really big names. It is known, however, as quite a, as with the dance scene. As with any young person. There is, there is a liberal use of drugs. Mm. Yeah, so this is from um, a fellow called Joe Manock. He's a news reporter for the Mancunian. This is a great story he's put together. Um, he he basically is reporting on last Saturday, substances found at the warehouse project included athlete's foot treatment and crushed Imodium pills. And these were the, the sorts of things that were in the, the pills tested at warehouse project. Yeah. Um, which is quite a you know it's hilarious like athlete's foot <laughs> come on um, but it's what? also a very current issue I, I think it's funny but I also think it it goes back to our a very serious debate about why drugs should be legalised because if oh god if, we're going right in for it yeah, are we here Megan uh, sorry but if in no my opinion bars. this has only happened because you have dealers trying to put together and replicate a drug and they're trying to make sure that it's a certain weight and it has certain qualities and they just don't have they they don't have the professional i don't even know where i'm going with this like it's just it's literally the only reason in my eyes why you've got athletes foot and medication for diarrhea in these pills is because of the fact that it's an unregulated substance. Yeah. So is yeah. it now time to ask the question of is it time for more sort of drug amnesty bins and more drug testing centres and more drug testing kits and stuff like that? Should the SU be providing these sorts of services because you're never going to stop young people and students from taking drugs? So no. is it just a, a... Well, the SU have... I think the SU have provided a drug testing service in the past at some point. Does there and need to be a sort of proliferation of those everywhere and does that need to be a... a I, I do... I would say I do, I do support it because... It's interesting, actually. I was just doing a lecture on like how we criminalise activity and whether it's a, it's appropriate to criminalise things like drug use and uh, sex workers. And I think that how long have drugs been illegal and it's still an issue? At this point, we have to hold our hands up and say maybe it's a bad idea to criminalise certain drugs. And maybe we should just make sure that if people are going to take them, people know what are in them and people know that they're safe. Yeah, I think um, you you have to check when you're thinking about what to criminalise and what to regulate. You need to check what the problems are that you're trying to tackle. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, the problem of some guy getting high isn't really that big an issue unless you get nuts and stuff. Too. Yeah. But I mean, the real issue with drugs is they can be dangerous and people die taking them. Yeah. Or And they can also have you know uh, exploitative supply lines yeah a lot of crime mixed up with that so i think a way out a way those are the main problems you need to deal with yeah and you can tackle the safety issue you can tackle this (laughs) 
You can tackle the safety issue by with things like these drug testing centers, mm-hmm. where people can take these drugs uh, <coughs> into the center and then check if they're safe, and then that will just mm, that yeah. will save their life potentially. Yeah. And then regulation could tackle. Yeah. The crime and then the issue of people getting high isn't really so important. I do think if we take the seriousness out of it, it's quite funny. If you've recently <laughs> well, been to the warehouse from... project and you have a funny stomach, then this is from, um... it might be because you've taken something <laughs> that wasn't what you paid for. Manchester's nighttime economy advisor is a fellow called Sasha Lord, right? And he right. sort of runs Park Life and the warehouse project and stuff like that. He was the guy that sort of spearheaded forensic testing at Raves um, mm-hmm. after a 30-year-old Nick Bonney tragically died at the warehouse project in 2013. Um, and sort of like he is really spearheaded this and he's tweeted out you know looking at the lighter side looking at the funny side he said another interesting back of house testing night some powders tested range from athlete's foot treatment to crushed up imodium if you suspect the second I suggest figs and a good curry <laughs> <laughs> so I mean you know it's solid advice yeah, yeah. It's, he's sort of making light of it as well and I think it is uh, it, it's, it's an interesting story because it's very current very entertaining yeah. and I think it's the sort of thing that students are really interested in hearing about aren't they because it relates directly to them and I think it's an issue that has been on the cards for years and will continue to be until the government sort of get a comprehensive mm. policy you know plan together but i think it's even wider than just like young people and um you know even just students in general like you know th- th- there has never been a civilization in the history of our species that has not brewed its own alcohol or some form of intoxicants i think that to you know to, for, for people to cut a bit loose and get like mashed on a saturday night is it, kind of an innately human experience and if no matter what you tell people and no matter the, the risks that you purport to people, they're still going to do it anyway. You just kind of need to take a slightly more like serious look at like, okay, well, how can we reduce harm? Yeah. And yeah. maybe that's by taking more athletes' foot treatment. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure when I'm getting searched tonight and they say, sorry, mate, what's this tube of athletes' foot treatment? And I knowingly wink and say, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You've seen it all before, fella. <laughs> just like, let's not pretend you don't know what this is for, mate. Come on, let me in. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think we're running out of time, guys. We are running out of time, yeah. I think that's We should just of- say that no drugs were harmed in the making of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we do not do drugs, not we don't advocate we drugs. We don't endorse them either. Nor are we presently on drugs. Or sell them. <laughs> <laughs> James, do you want to tell people about how, how they can get involved in the next show? Yes, I absolutely do. So um, if anyone listening to this has enjoyed what we've been saying, has enjoyed the conversation and thinks, oh, I want to get involved in that, I think I could throw my hat in that conversational and linguistic ring. Um, please do get in touch. We're always on the lookout for more people that are willing to sit down and have a conversation with us. So if you could find us on Facebook, search for these at the Fuse FM News Presenters Group. Is that the name? Yes, it That's is. That's the one. Fuse FM News Presenters. Join the group. Send us a message. Just post on the wall. Do whatever. Let us know that you are interested. And, and become we... our interlocutor. Yes. Please, please, please do get in touch. Always after more people. And we would absolutely love to hear from you i do think we have one other announcement as well if someone could uh, do the honors yes so as it is black history month uh fuse fm are supporting show racism the red card which is on the 18th of october the whole point of this day is to show racism the red card but we are going to be wearing red and donate a pound if you have any questions or you want to get involved message sisha she is the performing at performing arts at fusefm.co.uk if you want to help sash get more involved but all of the fuse fm presenters and presenters team Fuse team will be getting behind that. So I suppose all that's left to say at that point is I've been James. I've been Megan. 
I've been Josh. I've been Conrad. And the show will be back next week, usual time, Friday 11. Hopefully we'll see you then. Good talk. This is Fuse FM, Manchester's student radio.